3: following podcast contains subject matter that may not be suitable for all listeners. Do you feel that there has been a vendetta against your family?
4: Yeah, kind of, in a way.
3: Sarah is talking about the state's continued prosecution of her father, Bob Ward. I use the word vendetta only because that's the way the family kept describing it to us.
4: I guess because... It would be one thing if it was just everyone going after my dad, but everyone seemed against my sister and I too, and my aunt, for supporting him. It's interesting, like the state of Florida always will categorize us as victims of the crime when it suits them. But if we're in court, it's they're murderers' kids and they're supporting him. It's ridiculous, the way they just drill into us, especially when we're testifying. It's not that our mom died. It's that our dad's a murderer in their eyes.
5: I believe that they argued, and he picked up a gun, and he shot her.
4: Not a single person that knows my family thinks that he did this.
1: He was a very smart person, but the other side
6: was the nasty side. This is not a murder. This is the opposite of a murder scene.
1: If this was some tragic accident, wouldn't he have tried to look for a pulse? There is not physical evidence, and you have a trail of people who didn't do their goddamn job.
6: There's a verdict in the murder trial of Isleworth millionaire Bob Ward. Damn
3: it! Do you think this was an accident or a murder?
6: I I really can't say.
2: From Discovery Plus, ID, and Joke Productions. This is Unraveled, Mystery at the Mansion, a nine-part podcast that takes a deep dive into the story of a family torn apart, a trial turned into a media spectacle, and investigates the mystery. What really happened to Diane Ward?
3: In August of 2017, Bob Ward is released from prison after serving almost six years of a 30-year sentence for second-degree murder. He heads back to Orlando with an ankle bracelet while the state decides whether or not to re-prosecute his case.
2: As we touched on in the previous episode, Bob's daughters, Sarah and Mallory, describe the moment of their father's release as a joyous, if somewhat unexpected, turn of events. When he actually walked out of prison, what was that
1: like? None of us could believe it. But it was great. It was just this insane thing. And I just remember my my aunt telling him not to eat too fast. And I remember taking him to CVS and he's like looking at everything. And he's like, everything is so expensive. My dad, you know, again, Isleworth Millionaire Bob Ward is like looking at tweezers like, what? These are really expensive. But it was crazy. It was so surreal of being like, oh my God, I'm literally like with my dad like at a CVS.
4: When they finally let him out, I was so excited because like, he's gonna come home, we can take care of him, we can get him healthy. He was so sick, so sick. After being in prison for so long, like he's just so ill all the time and he's not seeing the doctors that he needs. But as long as he's out, I, I don't care.
3: Shortly after Bob was released, Sarah began making plans to incorporate her father back into her life, starting with her upcoming wedding. So tell me about your wedding and how you were structuring it around him.
4: We were living in San Diego when he won his appeal, and he was allowed out in Orlando. But I was like, well, he'll be able to come to Atlanta, so let's have the wedding in Atlanta. because. My mom couldn't be there. I wanted my dad there. Even if he had to have a sheriff with him, I didn't give a shit. And the attorneys were like, yeah, it sounds like the prosecution's not gonna push. You know, it'll happen, like, it'll be okay. And we sent the invites out. Everything was gonna be great. He was gonna come, it was gonna be awesome. Two weeks before the wedding, he still hadn't been allowed out and we had a hearing. And the judge was basically like, I don't care. She's like, no. No, screw you, no, it doesn't matter.
3: And what did you do?
4: My poor sweet husband. I told him, I was like, we have to go to Orlando and we have to get married to the courthouse there. So we didn't tell anyone. And we went and I got married in that fucking courthouse that I spent so much horrible time in. But my dad got to be there. He got me a little cute little bouquet, we spent, the night before in his crappy hotel and had White Castle burgers that were microwaved. And then we got married at 8 a.m. the next morning. We were the first ones there in that shitty courthouse. And it was worth it because my dad got to be there. And that's all that mattered.
2: No matter what your opinion is on this case, it's hard not to feel for Sarah and Mallory. They lost their mother, and they lost her in a very violent and public way. They also believe their father is innocent, and at this point, they've had to watch him go through this ordeal for the better part of a decade. Here's Bob's sister-in-law, Paula.
1: Those girls, they were such a close-knit family. They really and truly were. Mallory and Sarah, like growing up, they would never think of doing anything to disappoint their parents. They had a great relationship. I mean, they're just good kids, and they've grown up to be exceptional adults. I mean, with what they've gone through, I'm really just so proud of both of them.
3: Of course, the Ward's family saga would continue when the state of Florida announced they were reopening Bob's case.
1: Former Isleworth millionaire convicted of killing his wife is getting a new trial. Talk about the news
2: of finding out that he would have a second trial.
1: In your mind, you tell yourself, why would they want to retry this? The man's 68 years old, why are you gonna do this again? Who was this genuinely benefiting? No one was sleeping better at night because of you guys are gonna retry it. Again, you tell yourself that justice has to benefit somebody, right?
2: We reached out to the prosecutors for the second trial, but they declined to speak about the Bob Ward case. But according to Ken Lewis, one of the lawyers from the first trial, the state was simply convinced of Bob's guilt.
5: When you looked at all the other evidence over time, it just supported the same thing, that he shot his wife, that they argued, and he picked up a gun and he shot her. You know, there's only one truth, so it's pretty easy to recant the truth because you lived it and it actually happened. And he had every opportunity in the world to give a version from the very beginning, why would anybody, particularly somebody that's articulate, that has every opportunity to simply tell the police how an accident happened, why would that individual refrain from doing that? But for the fact that they're guilty.
3: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. Jury selection for the second trial would take place once again in the Orlando area. Bob Ward's family enter into the process, worried about their father's negative public perception. This was one of the first things on my mind when talking with local reporter Drew Petrimo. In Orlando, if you mention the name Bob Ward, what do people think?
6: That rich guy that shot his wife. That's the headline that people would say, Isleworth the 911 call, dancing in the jailhouse videos. Eventually when they were gonna have to sit down and pick a jury, there was gonna be a lot of people that would probably have to be excluded because they formed really strong opinions about the case.
3: Did you cover the jury selection?
6: I wasn't there for it. So I just remember there were definitely jurors that had formed kind of too strong of opinion because a lot of times the judge will try to rehabilitate. If somebody says, oh yeah, I saw this case and it seems like he's guilty, the judge will say, Will you be able to put that aside? Are these beliefs so profound that you could never render an impartial verdict? We saw that when it came to jury selection. There were people that did have to be excluded.
2: This brings us to something peculiar about the Florida court system that we've yet to mention. Both of Bob Ward's juries consisted of only six people. That's kind of an astounding fact when you consider the stakes. I talked to defense attorney Jim Fellman about this. In Bob Ward's trial, he had a six-person jury versus the 12-person jury that someone watching a trial unfold would normally see. Can you explain why in Florida that was the
5: case? Bob was not charged with first-degree murder. He was charged with second-degree murder. And that's not considered a capital offense under Florida law. You can't get the death penalty for that. And so you are only entitled to six jurors under Florida law. So there wasn't anything particularly unusual about Mr. Ward's case in that regard. Obviously, as a defense attorney, I feel like I have a better chance of winning if there's more jurors.
2: When we asked the prosecutors from the first trial, they agreed with Jim's assessment, but they still see the burden of proof as a steep hill to climb.
5: It only takes one person to poison a jury. You know, one person that could have some ulterior motive, some person to just but the system, for lack of a better word. So your, your chances are, are always better with six, but you know it's still half a dozen people that you have to unanimously convince. I mean, if there's somebody that says, I'm not sure, and if somebody's stuck on, I'm not sure, you're not gonna get that, that guilty verdict.
3: Well, Orlando's not a
2: think tank, I can tell you that. That's Diane's sister, Paula, again.
1: But your chances of finding one who's a holdout in 12 is better than it is one of six. Let me tell you something, you ever go to trial, you better be like with your attorney every step of the way to make sure as far as the jury that is picked.
3: Before the jury could even be seated in the second trial of Bob Ward, the family would receive some welcome news.
2: According to Sarah, the prosecutors had approached her father with a proposed plea deal.
3: Tell me about the plea deal.
4: The prosecutor approached our attorneys and they offered time served if he would say he was guilty. He pitched a fit, and I don't blame him because why would you ever want to say, yeah, I killed my wife, A, in general, and B, especially if you didn't do it. Like, you wouldn't want anyone to think that. He was like, I'd rather go back to trial and prove that I didn't do this. Rather take my chances at court. We begged. I was like, no, like, you know that no matter what, they're going to convict you. Like, just take the plea deal. And he said, I won't be able to have a life. I won't be able to do this. I don't care. You'll be out and you'll be alive. And that's what matters. It took us a week to convince him to finally just do it. And they went to him and they said, OK, we'll take it. What'd they say? All of a sudden, it was gone. There was no deal. They said... The only thing they could give him was him going back to prison for, like, four or five more years. And he's old. That's a lifetime for him.
3: We couldn't confirm the details of this plea offer with the prosecution. But it appears that whatever deal prosecutors may have proposed to Bob's defense team, it was never official. And Bob Ward's trial would begin in February of 2018.
2: For all intents and purposes, the second prosecution of Bob Ward was a lot like the first.
5: I just shot my wife.
1: You just what?
3: The lawyers open with the 911 call, noting how many times Bob admitted that he shot his wife.
2: Those remarks foreshadow a strategy in which prosecutors, once again, talk a lot about Bob's demeanor that night.
3: When he calls 911, You heard his tone of voice. They also, once again, put forward the theory that a looming deposition led to a violent confrontation. When you mix pressure, guns, alcohol, that's a catalyst for something like this to happen. This time, Bob's defense team appears a lot more focused.
2: They zero in on what they see as glaring problems with the collection of physical evidence. They repeatedly point to the lack of gun residue on Bob himself.
3: They also drive home the theory that Diane's death was a tragic accident, born of a struggle over a gun.
2: As the end of the trial looms, the defense must make a decision regarding Bob's personal testimony yet again. Sarah took us back to that moment.
3: What stands out to you from the second trial?
4: I told the attorneys, let him testify. Just come out, say everything that happened. The worst that can happen is he goes back to jail, but they didn't want him to testify. I remember the last day of defense testimony. As soon as I heard them say defense rest, I was like, no, he has to testify. They're like, no, like, it'll be fine, we're okay. I wanted to trust my dad's defense team, but I wanted him to testify. I wanted someone on the stand to explain that you never know how you're gonna react when something like this happens. And they weren't going to do that. They didn't want to put him on the stand.
3: On February 14th, the defense rests without putting Bob Ward on the stand. The jury of six exits the courtroom to decide his fate.
2: How are you feeling about what that outcome what that verdict in the second trial was going to be.
1: My hope was it was going to be better because they were going with the defense. So My mother held the gun to my dad's face and he turned around and it was an accident and the gun went off because that's what we were under the impression happened. And I think that the evidence supports that that's what happened. But at the same time, I remember like sitting with my dad. I literally sat in my dad's lap and cried for like 30 minutes because I just didn't know what was going to happen.
4: New details tonight in the Bob Ward trial. A jury found him guilty of manslaughter
1: and the shooting death of his wife, Diane.
2: The jury would find Bob guilty of manslaughter with a firearm. And while it's a lesser charge than the first trial, it still could lead to a long sentence.
3: That sound you hear is Mallory slamming her fist against a wall in the back of the courtroom. She would later be taken to the emergency room with a broken hand.
1: The judge specifically looked pointedly at me and said, you cannot react to the verdict. I'm sorry. How fucking dare you tell me to react to something that's life-changing and say that I can't do anything, that I can't have a reaction to it. I did it the first time and I didn't do it until I was out of the courtroom. And this time I was like, you know what, fuck it. Fuck all y'all. And I wanted them to know that what the verdict that they issued, I knew was bullshit. That I knew that they had fucked up. My mom tried to kill my dad and he's going to fucking prison for it. Again, again, not not one time, fucking again. Mr. Ward, a jury haven't found you guilty of manslaughter with a firearm. At this time, the court adjudicates you to As Bob Ward
2: is taken back to prison to await sentencing, his family was once again in disbelief. Prosecutor Ken Lewis feels that some of the sympathy for the Ward's family is misplaced.
5: Bob was somebody that was clearly privileged in the way they conducted themselves, no doubt about it, and the way his daughters acted. I I felt that some of that privilege had rubbed off on them.
3: What do you make of the fact that none of Diane's family believe that Bob killed her?
5: Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's just so many cases where uh, family members and even victims protect criminal defendants across the board. It's it's just so common that you can, unless they have a reason or a piece of evidence as to why they're saying that that you consider, you have to give that no weight.
3: The judge in the case would have to decide what weight she would give the family's opinions almost four months later, as the sentencing for manslaughter allows for leniency. Sarah would take the stand to plead with the judge. It's hard to listen to.
1: And I'm begging you, please have mercy and let us spend whatever time he may have left together. This is not the life that my mom wanted for her family when she was ready to leave us and her pain behind. This is no life at all. I love you, dad. The judge,
2: can you explain to me what she did?
1: My dad's first conviction in 2011 was for secondary murder. And the judge in that trial, she gave him 30 years. He served six years. He gets convicted the second time. The judge could have been, you know, I'll give you time served, or I'll give you 15 more years on top, and you know, I'll give you, or 20 more years, and you can serve 25 years. The judge gave him 30 more years. So he had, and he was convicted of a lesser charge. Was it worse the second time? Yes. Because you're like, what was the point? With a sentence, we might as well have not even had the appeal. It was insane was honestly a worse sentence. What she did should be illegal. What she, she should be disbarred, honestly. She should be removed from the bench for what she did.
4: My dad's angry and sad and scared, and he doesn't always come off as the most likable person these days because he's so angry. But just because you don't like someone doesn't mean that they're a murderer and that they should spend the rest of their life in prison. But she had the power to do so, and
5: she did. Did I think he got a raw deal? It's hard to say.
2: Prosecutor Ken Lewis.
5: I mean, I think uh, facts and circumstances with dictated a sentence of 30 years in the first trial, and that's what he got in the second trial. So I, I, don't th- I don't know that he got a raw deal. I think he had two judges that viewed the facts and evidence the same in what sentence they came up with and determined and decided to give him. So I don't, I don't think you could say a, a raw deal. I think he got a consistent sentence.
3: I asked local reporter Drew Petrimo for his thoughts on the second trial verdict. He gets the same sentence for a lesser crime, and he's getting no consideration for time served. Like, what's going on there?
6: I remember these mitigation hearings were just even difficult to watch, with uh, Bob Ward's daughters basically begging for them to allow their father to come home and saying that he was weak and frail and he didn't wouldn't survive much longer in prison, but the judge at the end of the day still does have this verdict from a jury, and judges are extremely hesitant to overturn the jury's verdict.
3: Do you think there was a vengeful quality to it?
6: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. Is it more than just bad luck in the judge's decision? I'm not sure.
2: After the trial was over, the twists and turns of Bob Ward's case didn't stop.
3: Early 2018, Bob Ward is sent back to prison, and his family attempts to grapple with his fate for the second time.
2: More than two years pass until one day, Sarah receives a curious email from an anonymous source.
4: I'd like to show it to you, kind of get your thoughts on it. I'd love to see it. So I keep getting, every now and then we get weird letters from people, and one of them was, I guess it actually was Just a few months ago, this woman emailed saying she saw what happened that night, which was super weird. Really? But she, she just wanted to tell someone. I don't know if she feels comfortable doing anything about it.
3: You wanna read it? Yeah.
4: So it says, Here's the thing, your father's innocent and there was a struggle that night, at least as far as I could tell. But his trial was a circus and I crave neither fame nor infamy. and shit with my issues or past, who the fuck is gonna believe what I saw? What was I doing in Isleworth? I feel bad for your old man. I do. Shit, the lady seemed like a wild woman. He shouldn't have followed her back into the house. Why the fuck didn't he take the deal?
3: Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. It's certainly a cryptic email. So this person is saying that they were there and they were able to see what was going on on the deck.
4: Right, yeah, because there were windows out to like the pool area, mm-hmm. and the pool area opened up to the golf course, which is available Anybody for could everyone.
3: See. Yeah, so yeah. what did you write back to them?
4: So I wrote back, I'd love to talk about this more when you have time. And I got back. Sarah, my heart goes out to your dad. I have struggled with if the information I have was given to a jury, would it have made a difference? I was in Isleworth that night selling, quote, white girl to my clients. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to gauge where I was.
3: And that is the problem. The moment I say I was in the neighborhood selling Coke, I would have to disclose those names. Your dad's trial was a media circus. I come forward and my face is on news stations all over the world. I have a life and a decent job. I have a family and I'm trying to move beyond my past. I don't sell or break laws anymore. I don't know if I can help him. I should have just left this alone. Take care of yourself.
4: And that's the last I've gotten. And then
3: you tried to write back? Yes. And then they haven't. Nothing.
4: Which I understand if... They have a family not wanting to, but I mean, a man's in prison for it. Yeah. Especially if they saw something. I mean, the golf course is pretty close to where they would have been sitting.
3: And have you tried to track this person down?
4: My sister's friends have. Because it was just, it was too many weird coincidences. It was too many things that someone that wasn't there wouldn't actually know. But no luck. I've emailed again and nothing. Again, I don't, especially now that I have my own family, I wouldn't want to come forward if I was doing something illegal either. As much as I would like to be like, you need to come forward and you need to do this because an innocent man's sitting in prison and you might be able to help him, I get why they wouldn't want to. Wow,
2: these are
3: really beautiful. Yeah. this one's right on the lake. Mm-hmm. Alexis and I drove to Bob Ward's gated community of Isleworth to see if we could get a closer look.
2: We're curious about this anonymous emailer. Does our story make any sense?
3: Wow, this is beautiful. This is a very nice neighborhood.
2: It's such a gorgeous community. Okay, we're getting close. It's after this, and I believe it'll be... Slow down. And this is a Wow. Mm-hmm. Bob Ward's house in Isleworth is simply stunning. It's hard to wrap your head around what went on inside. So the person who sent the anonymous email to Sarah claimed to have seen them on the deck, which would have been on the back patio. But there's only two houses next to this
3: Where house. Or they could have been on the golf course,
2: though. This isn't fenced. I guess at night, you could walk on the golf course. Mm -hmm. Looking at the mansion, it's clear. The anonymous emailer, if they really were there that night, would have either had to have been inside one of Bob's neighbors' homes, or as Sarah suggested, on the golf course itself.
3: And the lack of fencing around the green makes it pretty obvious that anyone could have been standing in Bob's backyard that evening with a clear view of the back patio of his house and a view of whatever was happening there.
2: Billy and I sat in the car outside Bob Ward's home for a moment and took it all in. What's so eerie about it is that in that room is just sort of where all of this went down. And I hate to sound cheesy, but it has at one time held all the answers to what happened.
3: Yeah. And this house has been redone. I'm sure that room has been repainted. The address has been changed, and they're trying to pretend that nothing ever happened there.
2: You know, it's sad. It's weird to be here. We've spent a long time investigating this case, and we've spoken to a lot of people who share the family's view that Bob is an innocent man.
3: We've also met quite a few people who are utterly convinced he is guilty.
2: Many of them point to the fact that Bob has yet to tell his story as proof of his guilt. From the very beginning, Billy and I hoped that we would get the opportunity to speak with Bob. We first started communicating with him by email, but due to limited phone access and the time restrictions inside the prison, We ran into too many obstacles trying to coordinate a phone call.
3: We tried for months to no avail. But then, in February of 2021, we finally got a call.
2: Hello, this is a prepaid debit call from an inmate at the
3: DMS Blackwater River facility. Hey, Bob. next time on Unraveled, Mystery at the Mansion. I think it was just a matter of um, w- just walking me through that night.
5: It's dark in there, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't look at her. All I could see was a gun. But she was getting ready to shoot me. I was in shock, all I wanted to do was get help. But the gun went off.
2: Unraveled is produced by Joke Productions for ID. The executive producers of this podcast are Joke Finciun, Biagio Messina, and Jeff Koontz, along with myself, Alexis Linkletter, and Billy Jensen. Executive producer for ID is Tim Bainey. Additional producing and writing by Mike Gattinella. Our editor is Corey Nye. The music and score that you have heard in this podcast is by Biagio Messina, Dave Pellman, and the Alibi and Nimble Libraries archival clips courtesy of CNN and the Lawton Crime Network. Make sure to check for our final episode next week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you hear podcasts. It helps a lot when you subscribe, rate, and review the podcasts that you enjoy listening to. Thank you for listening and for your support.